Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Startup Stories podcast. I am your host, Jordan Rayner, author of the best-selling book, Startup Stories. I'm also the founder and CEO of Vocrio, an innovation consultancy that helps entrepreneurs launch and grow their businesses. So at Vocrio, we love experimentation. In fact, this podcast itself is an experiment. We've produced 10 episodes of the show with 10 impressive entrepreneurs, uh, but we're only going to keep the show on the air if you, our listeners, truly love it. How will we know if you love it? If you share it. So if you love the show and find value from the stories our guests share, please share it with your friends to convince us to keep the show going. So what is this show all about? Each episode of Startup Stories will feature one impressive entrepreneur sharing three short stories from their experience. I'm asking each guest to share the story behind the founding of their company, as well as two additional stories from their experience that reveal a lesson they deem valuable for any entrepreneur to learn. I'm thrilled to introduce our first guest, Kevin Kate, uh, the founder of Kevin Kate Communications and Above the Fold, a daily email on the front pages of newspapers from across the United States. But more importantly, Kevin is a great friend, and I'm thrilled to have him here. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jordan. So uh, before we hear three, I'm sure, uh, amazing stories from your, and entertaining stories from your experience as an entrepreneur, I want to tell our listeners just a bit about you. So, uh, and don't blush. Thankfully, this isn't video. So I, I've been I've been one of Kevin's biggest fans uh, for a long time. Uh, from even even from his time in Alex Sink uh, Alex Sink's office as CFO as uh, as communications director. I think I was at I think I was at the Safety Review then, uh, and I followed Kevin's career. Uh, for a while since then, we've actually collaborated on a couple of projects together. But I'm, I'm a big fan. Kevin's uh, firm in Tallahassee does some of the best uh, PR and communications work, I think, uh, in 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 definitely in the state, uh, if not the country. Uh, and it, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Above the Fold. So, so Kevin, really briefly, uh, tell us about just give us a brief brief recap of what Kevin Kate Communications is, what Above the Fold is, and then why don't you tell us the founding story behind the firm and why you started it? Sure. First off, thank you for all the compliments. Uh, you even promoted my time in the CFO's office as communications director, so I'll let Kyra <laughs> Jennings Good. Yeah. know that know that she no longer can have that title. No but um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of yours as well, and would say flattering things, but I'm sure. When people read your book, they'll start up stories. They will um, come to their own conclusion. But I started Kevin Kate Communications because I didn't have another job. And that was in 2010 after my boss at the time, Alex Sink, had lost a campaign for governor to a guy named Rick Scott who spent about $100 million of his own money, uh, who happens to continue being our governor here in Florida at the moment, uh, having spent another almost $100 million, not of his own money, of other people's money. Um, but needless to say, in 2010, I was out of a job. I had worked uh, also with Lorraine Osley's campaign. Uh, she lost as well. It's going to be a common theme here in Jordan. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of losing. <laughs> of losing. Uh, being a young Democrat in Florida um, at the wrong time. But in 2010, I didn't have a job, and I started applying from, from uh, some other jobs after uh, I knew I was going to be out of work. Started talking to a lot of people that uh, I had some respect for and just kind of get their advice on what to do. Talk to my parents. T 
talked to my wife. I had, I think I had a kid at the time and then maybe uh, some more on the way. And I really just didn't, I, I was just not enthused about any of the prospects out there. And I got a lot of advice not to start my own firm. But thinking about some of the, my other experience working with public relations firms and advertising firms, I really never was able to figure out what they did all day because what we were doing on campaigns was so much more fast-paced um, and the things that we were churning out on a day-to-day -day basis um, you know, would take a traditional public relations firm days or however that, you know, they bill like lawyers and some of them. Um, so I, I went against everybody's advice and started uh, my own PR and advertising firm and as you probably see, I really like doing commercials and things like that, and we've evolved the firm to not just do public relations, um, but also do a lot of TV commercial work and web videos and things like that. But we started with, with one client that didn't have enough money to pay my bills, and just through word of mouth and um, doing our best to not offend anybody, but still push the envelope a little bit in our industry in Florida and then... Um, after that, uh, throughout the country, we've been able to work for, uh, and we still do, I mean, Fortune 50 companies and um, large associations as well as uh, political campaigns. So that's kind of the, the genesis of the, um, of the firm was I didn't have another job. <laughs> yeah. no, I love that. I love that. It's, it's interesting, too. So I, I, we've talked about this. Probably been years since we talked about this, but you know, so I came from a very, uh, from, from a somewhat similar background, right? So my my first job ever, I was seventeen when I took the job, uh, was running a campaign down here in Hillsborough County. Uh, you know, thankfully we were successful, but trust me, that wasn't because of me. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, <laughs> so, but, so the losses not because of me, right? Either. Right, right. The wins Sorry. not because of me either. Yeah, but, but no, it the is wins. interesting. That, like, that was all me. That was all me. Yeah, exactly. But like looking back on it, right? So. Um, you know, I, I continued through, uh, went, went to college, uh, took off a, a semester to go work in the Bush White House's political office. And I think through like all those experiences, I realized that I, I love politics, right? I, I really do. And I still do. But really the core of what I loved about that campaign wasn't necessarily about policy or politics itself. It was about starting something and winning, right? And like at the end of the day, that's what you do as an entrepreneur, right? You start mm -hmm. something that you think matters to your customers and you win uh, <laughs> by creating value in the marketplace. Uh, so it's interesting. Well, that, that's a great story. So, so Kevin, with every episode of Startup Stories, we're asking our guests to tell one or two other uh, compelling stories that uh, really convey valuable lessons for other entrepreneurs. So uh, what story or stories do you, uh, do you want to share with our listeners today? Well, I imagine a lot of people that are listening and a lot of people that bought your book, Startup Stories, um, which I've handed out to a bunch of different people, are wanting to either start their business or just have just started their business and are looking about growing and um, trying to learn from other people's mistakes. And I think it's always good when you see people because, you know, I, I probably take for granted a lot of the things that I'm able to do now, but when I graduated college, um, first off, I, I spent the first half of college trying to be uh, in a rock and roll band, and um, my lack of talent didn't help, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, I, when I graduated college, I didn't, didn't necessarily have a job, and I thought I was going to go into TV, TV broadcasting, and I had a couple of prospects, so I moved home to kind of wait on those, and uh, you know, lived lived with my parents back in uh, in the Tampa area in Wesley Chapel, and 
um, you know, those, I, none of those jobs were, were coming quick, quick enough. And so my dad, uh, who is, uh, you know, huge influence on my work ethic told me to get out of the house, get out of the house <laughs> and go do something. And so I, there was a, like a target shopping center with a bunch of little strip mall kind of stores in it. And one of them was, uh, sold futons, which seems like the absolute worst job in the world. And your inclination would be correct. Um, <laughs> the worst job in the world, but um, and I'm pretty sure the guy, I mean, he, he was just, the owner of it was just miserable and uh, probably not paying his taxes, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and would wait till the last minute to order the actual, the futons. And it's like, there's a certain population that buys futons. It's I was going like to say, what is the market for futons? <laughs> well, actually, the name of the store was Futons Etc. We, <laughs> we never learned what the Etc. was. I think the Etc. was... Uh, we're not going to deliver your futon on time. <laughs> we're wait to the last minute. Probably not pay the taxes. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I wasn't involved with that. I, I told. I did this commencement address, which sounds crazy. That I did a commencement address, but did this commencement address where I, I told people that uh, or the students and their parents. I said um, I wasn't qualified to be. Uh, a manager of that futon store, but I was the only employee. So. <laughs> right. Uh, so, hence I was the manager. Anyway, I was working for this futon store, and I think I was making like five hundred bucks uh, a week, which was great plus commission. And I sold a hell of a lot of futons. I can sell your futon right now if you want one. Um, but we, you know, I was just doing this trying to wait, and and I decided that I, I wanted to get in campaigns. I knew I wanted to do campaigns, but I, it kind of cemented uh, right when I was graduating college that TV wasn't the thing that I was going to do. So I'd kind of not been aggressive with that hunt. And, uh, a guy, one of my high school friends, fathers who had no chance of winning, uh, but he was a veteran. He was against the Iraq war. And that was something that moved me at the time. And I wanted to work for him. So he told me I could be his campaign manager for this congressional uh, campaign that had no chance in hell of winning. I mean, it was a district that even if he would have gotten to the general election, he would have been clobbered um, and he was pretty much self-funding and didn't want to do uh, fundraising because, you know, there was no chance of winning. So I took that job and I was making $1,000 a month. And I guess the lesson there is I, I actually uh, it was coming up on Thanksgiving the year before the election or whatever. And, you know, I was <laughs> having to go every day to this flipping futon store and sell futons while also managing this campaign. And I think we had maybe at the maximum two other people working on it and it was getting to be Thanksgiving and my futon boss, that was like, you know, this is prime season to sell futon. <laughs> you got people coming into town for Thanksgiving and, or Christmas or whatever. And so, um, he wanted me to work like all through Thanksgiving and I just, uh, I don't know if my wife was my girlfriend at the time or yeah, she probably was my girlfriend at the time. I just said, I, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like I'm not giving up my holiday um, to do this, I'm going to quit and go full time with uh, the candidate Rick Pemberthy, and so I did. And I just I quit, and I didn't have any other money, so I was making a thousand dollars a month, uh, living with my parents, and um, trying to make it in the campaign world. And uh, through that, some of my work, I met a woman named Allison Morano, who got me an interview on a, another more targeted, a DCCC targeted race, being a press secretary for it, and uh, and that kind of led to. Actually, that didn't lead to anything. We lost that. <laughs> we lost that campaign, and then I had to get a job at the Department of Health. But um, I guess the, the moral of the story is I had to to quit whatever safety I had and and just kind of go and do it and uh, jump in campaign world, which is you know similar to starting a startup. Yeah, 
Yeah, that that's that's a that's a really great story. I will be buying a futon from you. <laughs> no, actually, futons are pretty terrible in general. I you know, <laughs> they're all trying to you know the the real upcharge there was like the um, the bolsters I think they're called, which are like circular pillows. What? And that's that's where the huge margin was in futon. <laughs> the, the margin so it's like get them just buy the futon, and then they got to have somewhere to put their arms. <laughs> that's amazing. So so hey, before we go, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, above the fold, just because I, I think this is such a such a cool product um, and very similar actually to what we were doing at Savior Review years ago, except you're putting it in a more digestible format. But instead of me stealing your thunder, tell our listeners a little bit. Uh, about above the fold and the problem that you're trying to solve with this with this really simple product. Okay, I worked for Barack Obama in 2008, which I don't have anything to do with the losses that I've uh, experienced with my kids. <laughs> but um, I'm sure you know that I am basically the reason that Barack Obama. Oh, of course. Is okay, you were it, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. So I was one of like the regional communication directors in Florida for that campaign, and I had an awesome intern named Patrick Cavanaugh who's gone on to much bigger things uh, than campaigns like most rational people do. Yeah. Um, and every day the interns had to like pull the front pages of the newspapers because we wanted to see uh, if John McCain, who was running against Barack Obama, John McCain or Barack Obama were on the front pages where they were, was it above the fold, was it below the fold, because that mattered just to everyday people passing by, and it kind of let us gauge what was going on in the news cycle, what was happening in Pensacola versus what was happening in you know, Jacksonville, so you know, very different parts of the state. So unfortunately for them, they had to go to a museum and like download every PDF and uh, email it out to everybody, and um, it was just you know, a laborious, horrible process for them to do, but they did it every day. And then after I started my PR firm, I, you know, I'd always thought about that. And I always was one to like, make sure my clients know where they are in the paper. Cause you have actually the catalyst of this was uh, frustration, which a lot of the things that my firm does from a public relations standpoint, um, the ideas that we get are just out of frustration of the traditional horrible PR firms. Mm-hmm. And there was a particular uh, instance where a client had showed me something that uh, another firm had done, which was uh, put something, put a press release out through this service called like PR Wire, which is like the absolute worst. It's like spam. It's terrible. But some of these newspapers get paid to like host the press releases on like parts of their website that no one could ever see. They're right, not indexed. Right, right. It's just you know, it's spam. And so this particular firm had claimed that they had hit a circulation of like, I don't know, flipping 11 million people or something like that because it was in the Miami Herald and the Tampa uh, Bay Times and all these other papers. Yeah. And I, t- I told the clients, like, that wasn't in the newspaper. I said, I will go download the newspapers. I will subscribe to those newspapers and show you that this was like, they didn't even talk to a reporter. There wasn't a genuine, right. authentic piece of journalism involved here. And then... Uh, it occurred to me that it might be a good idea to um, make sure that my clients were seeing the front pages of the newspapers because, and we often we often have clients that appear on the front page of the newspaper, so it would make sense for me to do it anyway. Um, so I subscribed to all the papers in the state, and then I was thinking, well, we could do what Patrick and the interns used to do for us in Obama campaign, and just send this out to our clients every day, and that would be a valuable service that we could provide to them. 
But instead of doing that, which would have been uh, really uh, laborious, is we wanted to find we found a shortcut, which is uh, my friend Damien and I um, created this uh, above the fold, and he coded it. Um, and I play with the code every once in a while, and I'll take more credit than I'm due on it. But he coded it so it pulled from Museum just the Florida papers and automatically populated it in email. So. We only occasionally have to go in and um, find the actual front page of the newspaper when the person that does that at the newspaper forgets to upload it to museum. So basically, it pulls all the front pages automatically and puts them in one email. It's really pretty, and people can click on the papers, and it takes them to their websites. And we recently expanded to Above the Fold Primary Edition, which is taking the primary state papers and some of the national ones as well, um, and sending them out to uh, people who are involved in the presidential campaign, and we've had, you know, everybody from like Jim Messina, who was um, who's um, Obama's campaign manager in uh, 2012, um, and Patrick Ruffini, who used to work with um, and engage, say all kinds of great, wonderful things about it. So, really, our product is in front of all these people and these front, front pages are getting to all these campaigns and a couple of the actual candidates subscribe and I, I don't say who they are but unfortunately it is not Donald Trump I would say <laughs> I would say if Donald Trump subscribed but we have you know just a huge subscriber base of people that see it every day and of course we put our logo at the top and then every once in a while uh, the young capitalist in me uh, throws an ad or two in there from some of our friendly uh, friendly clients yeah, I love it. It's it's. I think there's a really valuable lesson in there too about uh, you know products that just save people time and solve really really simple needs, right? Uh, that it's a pretty yeah, you know, it's a pretty simple problem to solve. And and I I love aggregation businesses, right? It's so simple. Like people are already producing the content. Uh, you're just making it more digestible, and there's a way to make money there, right? It might not be life changing money, but there's money in it. So yeah, no, uh, it's more than it's more than uh, working at a futon. Store. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's sure, dude, that's a nice way to to wrap up on this. Well, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today on Startup Stories. If you want to follow uh, the work of today's guest, please follow him on Twitter at Kevin Kate, C-A-T-E. And just as a reminder, uh, this is one of 10 episodes we are airing to experiment with this Startup Stories podcast. So if you love the show uh, and you want us to keep it going, be sure to share it with your friends and vote with your listen counts, I guess. So Kevin, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, JR.